The following show is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is your host, Frank Angelos. Our guest today, Executive Vice President over at CNA Financial Group, Dave Suki. Dave, welcome to the show. Always good to be here, Frank. So, hard to believe we just finished the first quarter of 2019. Here we are in April, and April is Financial Literacy Month, so we're going to spend a little time sharing with our listeners a little insights on financial literacy. So, you know, it's interesting is, you know, when we talk about financial literacy, people think, oh, that's not for me, but, you know, it's kind of for everybody. I mean, when you think about it, it's like, you know, Dave, you know, what's your perspective on financial literacy, who it's for, and so forth. Well, it is for all of us, Frank, because I've been doing this, this is my 20th year, right? And you've been doing it 36? 36 years. Oh, wow. I started when I was 10. Yeah. (laughs) So I learn new stuff every month. So I think it's a constant education. Um, We never stop, you know. And as far as literacy concerns, you can have varying degrees of it, things that the... 43-year-old version of Dave Suki in financial advising and coaching knows is different than when the, the 23-year-old when I started. So I think it's for everybody, and we're constantly learning or we're falling behind. I think you you said that a lot of years ago, right? If you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. Well, you know, it's it's interesting is, you know, um, from time to time I'll visit with someone. I had a couple in yesterday. And uh, there are new clients of the firm. And we're having a conversation. And I just asked a very simple question. And I said, how long do you live and where you're living? And so they told me it's about 12 years. I said, oh, the same house and everything else. And they go, yeah. And then we were talking about their current income. And then we are chatting a little bit more about it. And I said, back 10 years ago, how much were you earning then? Yeah. And when they thought about it, it was about half. And so I turned and I said, so are you saving that other half of your income? And they just smiled and I said, hmm. I said, sounds to me like that savings you were doing. So if you're doing 401k at 10% or whatever, you're still doing 10%, but you're making 100% more. So it's like there was a gap that occurred, you know, with regard to, you know, where you're at, what was occurring and so forth. So they looked and they go, yeah, I didn't look at it that way. And I said, there's strategies that we have to look at to help how, that. How common is that, Frank? It, it's really common. The, the more we make, the more we spend, and it is what it is. And that's why, you know, we talk about financial literacy. And, you know, that's why we say, is, hey, if you're young and just starting out, it's for you. If you're already established, mm-hmm. but you're in accumulation mode because, you know, you're still built, you're working, you've got cash flow and so forth. This is the time you got to set yourself up. Because the next mode is going to be distribution, and it's even for distribution. Because if you're in distribution and you don't have this under control, you live in fear. Absolutely. So, you, so your focus of your literacy will maybe be dependent upon where you're, what stage in your financial life you are. Perfect. Perfect. Right. So, for me, um, you know, I have three kids: uh, yep. seventh grader, sixth grader, and one that's going to be in kindergarten next year. What do you think is on, you know, my family's mind at times? What that that little and it's bill not called, cheap. called <laughs> college, right? Which you went through with three of your children. Yep. So of course, uh, you know my focus may be that, among other things. But it depends sometimes where it stage you're out in life and where your energy and focus may be. So you want to become educated in in that different area, as well as the fact, Frank, we we do holistic planning. 
one area can be focused on, but you can't forget about the others. No. And I, I think what happens is sometimes what we do is we tend to go along in life. So we're going along, going along, going along, and we don't always keep score. And I think the key really is that we should be keeping score yeah. from year to year on how we're doing both in asset value, also in cash flow. And also when we talk about asset value and cash flow, um, they're not always the same. In other words, you can have substantial net worth that you're building, but it may not really be necessarily that you're feeling wealthy because the cash flow may not go along with it. No. So if you're, as an example, so if you've, built a lot of equity in a house, um, the house is it an asset or is it you know, a liability? So yeah. maybe you want to uh, well, take that Well, most one. of the times, for a lot of us, you think it's an asset. Like initially, oh, I, you know, I bought it for this, it's worth that, I've upgraded this, you know, and uh, it's really a deferred asset if, Correct. if we're lucky. Yes. Why we live in it, Frank, it is a liability. It, we see it with clients, it, it, it takes money from our pockets, it doesn't put money in our pockets. So that really, to me, is the definition difference between an asset and liability. Is it providing me cash flow or is it taking cash flow out of my life and I have to keep it up and I got to pay bills and taxes and expenses on it? It, it? You know, to the wealth enjoyment is really what it is. Like, you know, it's why we all like to have nice homes for the most part, live in a nice area, a nice town and community. It, it's not really an asset and it does not show up in retirement really is an yeah. asset. You know? yeah, it's a feel good because you know, yeah. when you do a financial statement from year to year and you write down, all right, I got my house and let's say it grew in value and it's worth 500 or whatever that yeah. number is and the mortgage went down, so I've got more equity. So your net worth shows better, but it didn't do much for cash flow. Right. As a matter of fact, if the tax assessor is following you around, it probably ate up a little bit more cash flow because they're going to get their piece Absolutely. of that. Absolutely. So, you know, just as we talk about, you know, one of the things in keeping score is, you know, um, especially, you know, we got through the first quarter. Um, Market-wise, it was a good first quarter. Not a bad thing to do a financial statement. Just kind of identifying where you're at. What are your assets? What are your liabilities? Mm -hmm. And then also, when you look at each asset, um, you know, I have a new acronym. You know, I have a new book coming out. And I came up with, I call it ACF, which is what's that asset cash flow? And that, I think, is a barometer of how healthy you really are. So as an example, if you were to look and you said, wow, my net worth is 500000 my net worth is a million, and then I said, okay, so assume you stop working today, how much cash flow does that asset, do those assets give you? If the answer is none, it's like you're fooling yourself because cash flow is what's going to dictate your quality of life. So you know, cash flow is very relevant, and asset cash flow is very key. And you've you got to realize early on in your, in your working career, and through your working career, you are your best asset. Without question. You provide the most cash flow into your world than any other asset, most likely. As you mature, and I'm seeing clients that get older and start to think about retirement, they may have accumulated, you mentioned accumulation phase, other assets, real estate, business interest, portfolios, 401ks, that can provide cash flows now or in the future. But that takes time, Frank. And the only way you get there is by... Savings. And you got to accumulate the right assets. Yes. So key. You got to start somewhere. So we mentioned about tracking uh, asset values. We mentioned a little bit about uh, cash flows, and you know it's interesting. You know we nobody wants to be on a budget. 
Yeah, it's like, you know, if I bring up the B word, I don't want to do that. It's like diet, right? I don't want to be on a diet. Nutrition plan sounds better than diet, doesn't it? So so what sounds better than budget is have a spending plan. There you go. And in your spending plan, it's going to break down to two things. You're going to have fixed expenses each month. That's the mortgage. It's the taxes. It's the insurances. Um, And then on top of that, you're going to have variable expenses. And what we're not looking to do is to, you know, go through and say what you should or shouldn't be doing. What we're just saying is track it. You know, it's no different than if I, if Dave, you said to me, hey, Frank, I want, I'm, I'm going to try to lose weight. And I said, here's what to do. Start writing down everything that you're eating. Just subconsciously, what you'll start to do is you'll start. I don't want to eat that because it's going to, you know, yeah, as soon as down. you start tracking, <laughs> it's like, should I be doing it? And you start actually holding yourself more accountable, and you make intentional decisions. Yeah. So, so in a parallel with that, it's like, you know the most successful weight management program in the world? I do know, but go ahead. <laughs> weight Watchers. Yes. Why? Like, like you think about it, it's been around the long... It's the accountability. Accountability and coaching. Yep. So they're keeping score, and there's coaching, and during the week, there's a system in place, a process. Yep, they show up and they do something that people follow and, and, and as they get on track with it, they find that they make a shift. And I, Frank, you know me, I talk about one degree shifts. So in weight loss, you don't lose 30 pounds overnight, but you might lose two and then another two and then another three. Finances are not all that different if you're keeping score. You might be able to save $1 here, $100 there, $500 there. Next thing you know, you're starting to accumulate savings and having a discipline around what you're doing and behaving with your money. So having said that, you know, um, we all have heard and we've heard since we're young and most of us heard when we start out, hey, pay yourself first. You know, that's a, that's the key to long term savings. However, you have to have a process yeah. for pay yourself first. Yeah. So sim- very simple. Uh, Dave, maybe just walk people what a process well, might look like. And there's all well, different variations. We have actually a friend of ours who's coming out with new technology. Yeah. That we'll talk about in a couple of months on one of our shows, but maybe just talk about that simple process of what somebody it, could do. It's interesting, Frank. Money comes into our world, and it all tends to go to the same spot. It goes into our bank account, our checking account. We pay our bills, and then we try to save kind of what's left. What if we just change the flow? You call it inflows, right? What if the inflow went to a separate account first, a wealth coordination account, a reservoir type of account, where you can save the money. And then you live off of a spending plan, right? So it hits that account first. Then you send money from that account into a checking account. And that's what you live off of and pay your bills, fixed in a variable, right? But you're saving money first. What's interesting is this. I, I said to all my clients in the beginning of last year, you know that you all got a raise? And they looked at you like, what do you mean? Well, in your paycheck, because of the tax law change, for most people, their paycheck went up a little bit. Yep. What do you think we do when the paycheck goes up a little bit? We spend more. We just live into it. It doesn't. Exactly. Sometimes it's not even, even noticeable, Frank. Yet if we measured it, you said you keep score on it over five years or ten years. What that money may have been worth had you saved it. Maybe it's going to help pay for college, or you know, help pay for something in your life, a vacation, something that you don't have to put on a credit card or some other debt. So little shifts like that in terms of how you handle your month-to-month finances can make a big difference. So just that process alone, which is, you know, and then in that first account that you had mentioned, what happens then is you end up accumulating more. Because yes. even like 
you know, we have clients that'll maximize their 401k maybe halfway or three quarters of the way through the year. And next thing you know, their paycheck increases on the tail end Good of one. the year. And so one way or the other, that account's going to you know, accumulate something. And then it's intentional. I always say it's, it either goes to the we account, which is, hey, why don't we go out and have fun with it? And I call that wealth enjoyment. <laughs> or it goes to the let's do something for our future account, which is let's put it into something smart, build more assets, and you know, put it towards something that makes sense. So that was, you know, how we would look at cash flow. And then the last thing uh, I think, you know, to just touch on a little bit when we talk about financial literacy is really understanding the significance of the timing of money and the timing of savings. And so it's interesting. So, you know, you're talking about kids and going through college and so forth. And I remember all of my kids when they were finishing, and, you know, they start working somewhere and. You know, they go, hey, dad, I got this, you know, from the HR department to sign up for 401k or whatever. And I said, those are great programs. I said, but there's an order of things. Yes. And if I start doing the wrong term of savings, you know, too soon, it leads to problems down the road. So maybe, Dave, take a couple of minutes and talk about, you know, the different aspects of, you know, timing of savings and, you know, what well, people should be looking we at. We always say a good short-term savings plan So oftentimes doesn't work really well in the long term. The good long-term savings plan oftentimes doesn't work real effectively in the short term. So in terms of our lives, if we figured out, okay, between now and let's say two to three years from now, I would classify as what I would say short term. Yep. Do I have money in my life saved somewhere that if I needed it for, for anything, something good maybe, could be something bad, okay? Um, a life event, anything that happens. Do I have money stored up in that framework that allows me to access it from that next step we call it mid so that's short-term money frank yep. mid-term money let's say say to the listeners think about it in terms of let's say three to five years to let's say 15 years out opportunity money we call it yes right so if you're thinking about saving for college and you have a newborn if you're thinking about um, buying a second home okay investing in some a, a property for real estate and, and income purposes whatever that is there should be money placed in your world, in your balance sheet, that's performing so that you can have it available when you need it, right? And then ultimately where people get stuck sometimes is they immediately go to the long term. So they, they store money away right away into long-term savings plans like IRAs, 401ks. Again, great accumulation vehicles, not great accessible liquid vehicles where you, if you're prior than 59 and a half to get funds out of. I see it all the time. And I always tell people, as you know, I'm not a fan of credit cards. I say credit cards are the nation of our country yeah. uh, because the interest rates are so high. But the reason why credit cards become out of control or they end up on someone's financial statement as a liability is because they didn't have short-term funds available when an expense showed up. So when the radiator went, you know, on the car or whatever the sure. case might be, and I had to get something fixed or... You know, the heating system at home, and it was, you know, several thousand dollars. It was like, I don't have any cash. I throw it on a credit card. Next thing you know, that credit card was that 0% rate, which is 18, 24%. And I might have had an IRA or something else, but the cost of it, accessing those funds may have been 30 or 40% between taxes and penalty. So, Dave, when you were just talking about having short term, midterm, and long term money, it's extremely important. You know, and Frank, based on 
where you're at and what stage in life you are. We talk oftentimes, right, about the three R's. So early on for literacy, you gotta understand your rate of savings throughout your whole life is really critical. Right? And then once you understand that, you can start, which is what we usually get questions about, where should I invest my money? Which what's basically someone's asking, what is my rate of return? I wanna make sure it grows more than inflation, right? Because we need it to. And then the, at the end, in terms of when we get to retirement, you're having conversations all the time with clients about what's called their rate of distribution. So they're all intertwined, but it all starts with understanding and assessing where you're at today and then how to make sure you're managing your affairs as efficiently as possible. Great insight. And as we're wrapping up, you know, um, we'd be remiss if we didn't say, you know, anytime that you're looking at financial literacy and you're getting your finances in order, you always have to protect today as you're planning for tomorrow, which is making sure the auto insurance, the homeowner's insurance, the disability, the life insurance, making sure your insurances are right when you're doing it as well. Because you can't, you know, you think of castle and moat, you know, which is if your castle is the wealth that you're building, it always needs to have that moat around it to protect it from things that happen because things happen. So, uh, Frank, absolutely. So with that being said, for all of our listeners, you've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. Uh, you've had Dave Suki over at CNA Financial Group, one of my partners there, and this has been Frank Congelos. We wish you a great month and a great spring, and we look forward to speaking to you next month. Advisors of the Institute of Responsible Wealth may be licensed for investment and insurance products. The Institute of Responsible Wealth is an educational division of CNA Financial Group. CNA Financial Group and its advisors are an agency or an agent of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. The Institute of Responsible Wealth and CNA Financial Group are not affiliates or subsidiaries of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. 2019-77690.